week's episode of Faster Masters Rowing Radio. Grab a seat at the table as Masters Rowing coaches Marlene Royal and Rebecca Caro share their biggest secrets on how to unleash your hidden potential and plot a new course for real results on the water and off. Now, on to the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Faster Masters Rowing Radio. I'm Rebecca Caro, and I'm joined by Marlene Royal. Hello, Rebecca, and hello to our Faster Masters. It's high noon of summer in the Northern Hemisphere. In the Southern Hemisphere, we are in the depths of winter, and today <laughs> we're going to pick a really massive topic, which is skills in the boat. What are the things that will help you get more skillful and enjoy your rowing more? Now, this topic came to mind when Marlene and I were having a discussion with Tim Mayle, who was the coach of Monmouth Rowing Club in the UK, who won the Victor Ladorum at their British Masters Rowing Championships. And we were talking about how he combined a group of athletes that included some people who were relatively new to the sport with people who were much more experienced. And the challenges that you have in most master's groups of this diversity of skills. And to be honest, it doesn't matter whether you're new to the sport or maybe you're more of a sweep rower than a sculler. Tim had a group who had previously done a lot of sweep and they decided to take on a new challenge and try and win some sculling races. Skills in the boat is what underpins absolutely everything that you do. So, Marlene, kick us off. What are the big things we should be looking for? Well, I think first to improve your skills in the boat, you have to spend time in the boat. So if you look at what your available time is for practicing, um, you know, I would encourage people to practice a bit more frequently rather than longer. So this, depending on your schedule and where you have to go to row and what's, what's the logistics involved in that, um, just looking at are there ways that you can increase your frequency of getting in the boat? And let's take an example of you want to improve your, your skills in the single, but you row with a crew and your crew practices three, three times a week. So maybe it's hard to get to the boathouse on other days. But what you could do in that, in that case is finish your session with your crew. And then perhaps you have the opportunity to go out in a single for 30 or 40 minutes just to practice exercises. And that brings us to developing our skills. So frequency is important, but also it's really important to establish your patterns and learn how to make the motions that you want. So whether it's your body sequencing, whether it is your blade work, uh, whether it is power application, these are all different skills we develop in rowing, whether it's steering, um, you need to have some structured exercises at first that help you create a system for yourself or create patterns. And I think once you learn a, a motion and a pattern, then you can take it into other boats. You can do it at different speeds, but, um, but you have to initially get some drills, get some exercises, um, order to know what to practice so that you can initially 
move yourself in that direction. Yeah, one of my personal bugbears is the warm-up sequence, often called a pick drill. Lots of crews will do this. Sometimes they do it square blade, sometimes they do it half crew or whole crew. <coughs> but they do not execute it to a high level of skill. It's a bit bleh. There's not good mm -hmm. pressure intent. There's not careful movement of your handle every single stroke. And so if you think that might be you, next time you're in the boat, even if you're doing it with half the crew sitting the boat level, have the crew who are sitting the boat not hold their handle tightly. Have them hold it really loose so that if you have a misjudgment, the boat reacts and you know what you're doing isn't um, matched by the other people or is affecting the balance at a bare minimum. One thing you can do when you start off rowing is literally just sit still, put your oar in the water at the finish, blade squared and buried. Make sure you're leaning backwards in your finish position. Make sure your feet are pushing on the foot stretcher so your, your toes aren't coming away from the insoles and the shoes. And actually check how high up your chest your handles are. That's a really simple start point so that you can see whether or not your rig's at the right height. And then when you row away, most people start rowing square blades with arms only. See if you are finishing the stroke at that exact place every single time. That's a really simple example of how you check a static position, in this case, your finish position, and then check it against the active movement that you're really making. Yeah, absolutely. And making this habit is important. So frequency of rowing as much as you as you can or what fits your schedule, having a little bit of a plan. And it does not have to be a complicated plan. But I like what Re Rebecca says about the pick drill, because this is also one of my pet peeves, is I don't like seeing crews or scholars just go through this motion because they think they should just be going through this motion. The drill has a purpose and it's a warm-up drill, but I also use it as a suspension drill. It is a drive suspension drill. It's a drill to, to connect your body weight between your foot stretchers and your handles and to connect your lower back and connect to the handle. So you use this warm-up drill to warm up your muscles, but you also use it to learn how to move the boat at different phases of the drive and to maintain maintain your body weight. So it is important to be very mindful once you once you are once you are in the boat. And I I think one thing I observe often, particularly with with um, rowers who may not be very experienced, is they they tend to rush a bit getting off the dock or getting off the beach. And they don't take a moment to check that their foot stretchers are set correctly, check that their oar, um, oar lock height is set correctly. They don't, they're, they're just thinking about, oh my gosh, I've got to get in the boat and get going. And they don't check these things. And then they go out and then they don't understand, I can't get my oars out of the water or how come the boat feels harder to manage than it did last time. And, you know, because somebody else rode the boat. Now the, the, the Orlocks have three washers under them and you need one washer. So 
these are part of developing your, your skills because if you are not adjusted the best that you can be in the boat you have to row, it's going to be very difficult for you to execute things that the coach is asking you to do. Exactly. So on that note, to go through in order to become skillful. Now, Marlene shared with me a while ago a nice little uh, list of skills that her club uses for beginners. Before you can go rowing on your own in her club in Knowlton, you have to be able to do a certain amount of things with precision. And these begin with carrying the boat down to the water. Are you carrying the boat safely? Putting it in the water, getting yourself into the water, making sure that you've got the oars down on the beach before you get the boat. So little things that show that you have been correctly taught and that you can handle the equipment with skill. And when she showed this to me, it was really, really nice to read. And it made me remember that CRI in Boston, Massachusetts, also have a kind of progression of skills that they actively test with their new learn to row and intermediate and advanced rowers. And I thought of it was a little bit like, do you remember when you learned to swim? And first you could swim 10 meters and then you got a little fabric badge that you could sew onto your swimsuit. <laughs> then you could do 25 meters and you got another badge and so on. But these are things that you can tick off as you go along. And so Marlene and I have developed a three-stage skill progression, beginner, intermediate, and advanced. Marlene, do you want to talk about how you might use this as a coach? Oh, ab absolutely. I mean, the a coach may work, I mean, again, it depends how your clubs and your groups and classes are set up, but a, but a coach can easily work with different people at different levels, sometimes within, a same, within the same group. For example, if the group is rowing a, a, a certain pattern, a circle, I use my, my group, I have them, we have a bridge, they row up 1,000 meters, they turn around, they row back, and I have them moving in this traffic pattern of 1,000 meter circles because sometimes people in the group are, are moving at different, lab, at different speeds. And... As a coach, you have to be able to understand with each person what they need to accomplish next. So for some people, it may be their basic maneuvering, and you may need, you may need to guide them more about when, if it's a straight boat, when to look, um, how to point off different uh, landmarks on, on land. You may be focusing on their feathering and squaring or their their ability to simply set the boat up and be able and get out on the water and be able to understand where the wind is coming from this is these are beginner skills and you may need to focus on this whereas an intermediate person you may be starting to focus more on are they are they um, initiating the release before they feather are they able to set the boat as their hands come away are they are they maintaining a proper sequence on the recovery and you know and so so you have to look at a bit where they are and i think if they're more experienced they can also probably process a little bit more coaching on a more 
a more complex level than perhaps somebody who is a novice, where you don't have to explain the why quite yet. You just simply have to explain, try to do it this way. And then once they get a little bit more comfortable with it, a few lessons down the line, you might explain, well, th this is why this is important, or this is why we need to do this. But, um, but, it, but initially, I think you, you have to help the novice become oriented to the boat and, and the stroke and keep it relatively, relatively um, simple in terms of keeping things level and horizontal and with your intermediate people, you can be more demanding of, you know, no, we don't want to lift the body as the legs start to drive. And yes, we want to, you know, I call it stay in stealth position a little bit longer. Right. So, um, you know, you, you can, you can emphasize because these, these people are interested more in moving the boat better and moving the boat better means keeping the blade in the water longer and more stability in the water and you know if they're if they're, they've got too much vertical motion or their sequence isn't correct that's all going to shorten our time time in the water when i'm coaching sometimes from inside the boat the thing that i find most useful about the skills progression is that oftentimes a coach will focus on the least skilled person because what they need is very very obvious to an experienced coaching eye and so they tend to give them their attention. And then the more experienced people don't get looked at during that outing. And that uh, can lead to frustrations over time because there are things that they can do with great skill. If you understand the skills progression, you can give the experienced people something to do that challenges them in the same outing as when you're coaching the less experienced people so that you're able to spread your attention and both groups of athletes come away with feeling they've accomplished something in the outing because nobody enjoys just babysitting if i can be a little direct um you don't mind doing it once once a week but you to your own rowing So I think that having the skills progression printed out in the coach boat with you just allows you to think about who's the lineup today and what are they doing and what are the things that I can do to And I think I think Oh, I was going to say one in a, in a situation, say you have a crew on the water and this, and you have different levels of, of abilities in the crew. You could use a drill like pause at arms and body away. Pausing at arms and body away can be used for 70 different things. So, um, so you could use a drill like this as a coach and you could give the, the more inexperienced people one point to focus on when they're doing the drill. And you can give the more experienced people something that's more advanced to focus on. While they're all doing the same drill, they can be, they can be focusing on things that are, are at quite different levels. Um, so 
being creative in this way can, can also be quite beneficial um, because you're giving each per person a little bit of personal attention, which I think is incredibly important during a session versus coaching the whole boat. Sometimes coaches go out and they coach the whole boat, but then someone says, yeah, but I'm being, I'm paying for this group lesson and I didn't get any attention. So I, I do think it's important that, that every person gets a personal point. And if you have certain drills like this, you can personalize what that person is going to work on, but they can all be doing the same drill. Now, getting a new crew together is a situation where even if you're without a coach, you can use drills as a means of beginning to align your stroke patterns. Every individual styles individually. When you're in your single, you can do your own thing. But when it comes to a crew, you've got to learn to, uh, it might be meet in the middle, it might be more directed to one person or the other. Uh, but getting a new crew together is a unique situation and it's a really helpful time for having drills. Marlene, give us your top two drills for crew combination. Top two drills. Um, one, I would say pausing arms, pausing arms and body away. The reason I would use that drill is to help the crew match up at the release and, at, and as their hands come out of bow. And, and I like to use this drill because as their hands come out of bow and they have their body sets, you can help them then start to move the slide at the same time. And I like to work on that first before I would go to entry timing um, to, to start to blend them and, and get them together. I think so I like to use that drill and different versions of, of the pause drill for sure. Um, I think a second, that, that's one I use a lot, but um, also I, I think I'll, you know, there, there's a drill that we like to do when we do the sculling intensive, which is a pause, a pause at the release and then observe your position at the finished position. And um, in regular rowing, I don't coach a pause at the release, but I think when you're starting to blend a crew and you want to get people together and have them set the boat from the release, that's one drill that can also be um, really beneficial. And it just gives them a moment of reflection. Okay, where are my elbows? Are my feet on the foot stretchers? You know, how is my posture? It gives them a moment to check and gather and then and then move out of bow. Um, in continuous rowing, I, I do not tend to use the gather. Um, I've just never rowed that way and I've never been coached that way. So um, I don't use it, but I think as an exercise, it can be valuable. One of the things that new crews often say is that their balance isn't very good. And so I'm going to add a third drill. And this is to row the recovery with your oars running along the surface of the water. And the benefit of this drill is it teaches you your handle height in the drive phase. Like if your oars are on the surface, your handles are at the precisely correct height and I know you're doing it on the recovery, but it allows you to check that you're not rowing over the barrel, lifting your handle higher and lower when the oars are in the water. And it also then allows you to progressively increase the tap down. So you might start after you've done that 
tapping down only one centimeter. So your oars are quite close to the water and that gives less margin for error. And it allows people to be a little more precise about how much weight they have in the hand on recovery. Then you can, of course, double that. So tap down two centimeters, tap down three centimeters. So it's a good way of helping people to check their blade handling. Well, because a new, uh, if it's a novice crew, I mean, this could be a new crew of blending, say, two novices with six experienced rowers. But if it's a novice crew, it does take a bit of time for the, for the new rowers to get oriented to where the water is. They're not accustomed, A, to sitting that close to the water, and they're not accustomed to having long oars that have relatively shallow angles to the water. So, you know, having them understand where the water is, is, re is really important. And if I were going to add a fourth, um, I like the rowing in place drill, push, pull, where, where basically, you know, sit at the finished position, square the blades, as we've talked about at the release, and then you have them perform the recovery sequence with the blade in the water, as if they're backing, which is the recovery sequence with a little bit of pressure. Um, the recovery sequence, stop, let the blade gather a little pressure, reverse direction. And the, the benefit of this is it helps them adjust their hands properly on the, on the oar handle because they need to set their hands on the oar handle when the blade is in the position you're going to work with it. Um, and it helps them learn the sequence and it helps them learn to be horizontal because taking, say, the blade from the water surface to now a squared blade, they can look at their blade and keep the top edge just under the surface of the water and watch, again, teaching those level hands and the references of where the blade should be, where does the blade sit, um, takes time to, to people who are not not familiar yet so um you know those are all really good drills to to blend even ex novice with experience really good drill to practice as, as well great advice there so for those who are interested in getting the beginner intermediate advanced skills progression um and trust me there is stuff in there that even i can't do you know the advanced skill drills are real um this is going to be part of our coaching master's certification course, which will be released shortly. We have our product testers right now doing the course and giving us feedback about how it's going for them. After that, we will then be releasing it to everybody else. And it is one of the downloads that you can get from that course. If you want it separate from that, get in touch with us, you know, we might be interested in having a few people test it for us. So this has been Faster Masters Rowing Radio for yet another week. Keep well and row well this week. We are part of the Rowing Chat Podcast Network. Please tell your rowing friends about the show. And if you've learned just one helpful thing from today's episode, please consider supporting the show for as little as $1 per month by visiting fastermastersrowing.com forward slash podcast.